Yes, Broken Hill, where I'm broadcasting from today, is one of Australia's most historic areas. 140 years since its first town council was set up, Australia's first heritage-listed city, a mecca for filmmakers and photographers, as their tourist blurb says. But look, I can attest it's true. Some quite famous faces strolling up and down the main street, or people with faces, uh, because they're here to record a new series of the Royal Flying Doctor TV series. And there are visual artists galore, it would seem, with a lot of galleries. But music is not thriving, though apparently it once did. So it all makes a big venture by the Sydney Youth Orchestras, on whose board I sit, pretty important. SYO is a not-for-profit group. It trains 8 to 25-year-olds in orchestral playing. It's 50 years old this year and it's been touring the Central West region for the past nine days, collaborating with local players and music teachers, all culminating in an outback gala concert at the Broken Hill Civic Centre tonight with an orchestra of about 120 or so playing a pretty ambitious program and we'll play you some of that music shortly. One of the uh, groups uh, performing tonight is the Broken Hill Civic Orchestra, whose director is Mark Curtis, and he's joining us. Hello, Mark. Good morning. And, well, joining us too is one of the students from Sydney, Sophia Juarez. Good morning. Good morning. Now, I'm curious, Mark, what it's like trying to maintain something like an orchestra in regions a long way from the city. How many take part in yours? I think at the moment we've got about 19 players if everybody's there, um, which really only just constitutes an orchestra. Uh, during COVID, we were down to 12 and we were thinking, well, do we start calling ourselves an ensemble? But um, thankfully, we've hung on by the skin of our teeth and got there. What were you before, say, COVID? Well, when I began with the orchestra back in 2000, there were about 35 players. Uh, and so over the last 20-odd years, uh, there's been a loss of momentum and, uh, and part of that really is because there's not new players coming through organically. It's really only those players who transfer in from out of town for work that uh, come already equipped to play an instrument. Now, I'm going to come back to that. The thing that's interesting that you find is that Broken Hill's musical history is pretty significant, uh, alongside the rest of it. There's so much interesting history here. But tell us why the musical history stands out a bit. Well, it stands out because I guess Broken Hill is such an isolated community. People need it to do them, do things for themselves. And so um, very early on, the mining companies, the unions, uh, the railway company that we had a private railway company here, they, they all had their own bands and, uh, and orchestras. And then even the, the, the unions uh, got together with the Barrier Industrial Council and from that they then would select... Um, players from all of the union bands to play in the Barrier Industrial Council's band, the BIU band. And, um, and that was an A-grade band. They would go away to Ballarat and other national competitions and win. They, they were really that good. And that lasted right through up until the 60s. Until the 60s and then it started to drift off. It started to drift off from the 60s. Why, do you think? Well, I think mass media's got something to do with that. I mean, radio began and that changed the dynamic slightly. But then television arrived and that completely rejigged the way people entertain themselves. Uh, no longer did they have to make their own entertainment. They had it served up for them. And so I think that began the shift and I think streaming services have just about put the nail in the coffin. Right. Gee, that must be a little bit demoralising for you then because you've got to get people to turn up for rehearsals, what, once a week, twice a week? Well, usually once a week. Once a week. Yeah. 
come out. It's very cold out here, so they've got to come out and really put their hearts well, into it. Well, it's a desert environment. We get very cold, we get very hot. So you've got to be you've got to be hardy. But thankfully, we're fairly well built for the heat. It's not so much the cold. Are you funded by government or by local council? Or? No, we're not. We fund ourselves. Uh, we do that by memberships and, and basically through our concerts uh, and the, fu- the, the fundraising we do there. Um, for specific projects, we usually go to government looking for uh, help, whether that's the local council or through the Ministry of Arts in New South Wales. Um, but uh, we we have to have, first of all, a special program that we can get up and running. And not everybody wants to travel this far to Broken Hill to do something. I think the SS, the Sydney Symphony, was out here last about seven years ago. Uh, wasn't 2014. 2014. Yeah, so it's actually a bit longer than I thought. And what about philanth- local philanthropy? Like, uh, well, that exists, and we ha- we do have a couple of good patrons locally that do assist us. Um, but generally, Broken Hill is a, a sporting community, and that's most regional. So centres. the money goes to sport. Exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If um, if there's going to be someone with deep pockets, they're usually going to support the football team or the cricket team. Now you haven't mentioned the schools. Like if, if they're not coming through the schools, which is very much a concern of of uh, Sydney youth orchestras. Um, the lack of training for musical teachers. I mean, this has been talked about in a lot of, frankly, posing. Some people think an existential threat to the future of music as we've known it. Mm, I really do think it does. Um, my wife's a, s- a school teacher, so I get to see sort of something of the inside through her eyes. And uh, one thing that's become apparent over her 40 years of t- or 35 years of teaching is that um, the, the shift has happened that there's no longer um, the, the room in the curriculum for those sorts of things. The curriculum is now very crowded. Mm. And so, so it's... Probably time to, I guess, address that. Mm. I'm going to bring in Sophia here. Now, Sophia, you're now doing arts law at um, university, UNSW, I think it is, is it? University of Sydney. Sydney University, right. And you've been in in, uh, SYO for how long? I joined when I was in year six, so just under a decade. And so, you, and you're a violinist. You yes. started as a very young violinist in one of the uh, orchestras because we've got 15 orchestras. Uh, what difference has it made to you to have an organisation helping you? As it, I mean, I'm just wondering what your school provided, for instance, and what uh, other help has to be provided to really bring a young person on. The help has just been incredible because when you're learning music. It's about the community. And I think that is also what an orchestra is. It's a community of people who love and want to create and share music. So having an organisation that supports us, young people, when we're trying to learn and make music together has just made a world of difference, giving us opportunities that we might not have had access to through our schools. And I know I can speak on behalf of a lot of the orchestra for that. But you did do it at school, didn't you? You, Yes. I was lucky to have an excellent music program at my school, but still SYO provided um, extra opportunities to engage myself. Now, have you noticed, because you've been on this big sweep through the Central West, have you noticed, because there's been a lot of collaboration with students in Will Canyon and Daniloquin and Cower and so on and so forth, have you have they sucked it up? Is it you know soaked it up, as it were? Can you can you see that they're hungry for it or not? I mean, you don't have to say yes, but I'm interested to hear. You absolutely can. I think one of the most memorable moments was we went to Gold Goal Public School, and the students there and the teachers had never seen <clears throat> a live orchestra there before, and you could just see the joy and surprise on their faces when the low brass would come in or the strings. And yes, they were just enthralled. 
and they would come up to us and ask us questions and I hope we were able to make a lasting impact there. Mm. Yeah, seeing an orchestra for the first time is a visceral experience, it really is. Mm. Yes. Um, And would they have bands? Would most schools in this area, in your judgment, have some form of band? Yeah, it's usually some sort of rock band that um, the kids get their guitars out and away they go. But, but, but in terms of developing, I suppose it's that. See, the other point you made to me, Mark, was that there's been a drop in white-collar workers um, uh, in the, gradually a drop yeah. as the change of circumstances, you know, the whole change of industrial structure, and you think that has played a role. Yeah, well, so much of um, the function of white-collar workers has been pulled back to capital cities, which means they're not here in our community as much as they were. And they were the ones that would bring their skills to bear on the community. They would teach... In their instrument that they learned. Uh, and that doesn't happen so much anymore. So, of course, it's really the, only the instruments you can easily pick up and learn through YouTube or with the guitar teacher at school that you can play now. Uh, so that, that's, I guess, the other part of the shift that we're witnessing. What has it left you with, Sophia, I suppose? And to, could, can you see real talent there that is being underdeveloped? In the people you've, the young people you've met? Oh, absolutely. Even when we get... There's a really exciting part of the Meet the Orchestra concerts where we invite a bunch of young people to come up and have a go conducting or have a go playing the instruments. And you can just tell some of them really have a knack for it. And I think a lot of the part of well, whatever success is in music is enjoying it and a love for it. And that you could absolutely see that on the faces of all the kids. I've been told there was a gorgeous uh, site when a little, a little, they're all the, I think it was in um, Wilcannia, a lot of the kids, First Nations kids, all trying their heart out in, in their singing and then they sang in language and the difference was just remarkable as they sang in language and we'll play something in a moment as people were encouraged to sort of tap their, their own traditions and, uh, and enjoy them. Um, so, look... I wonder whether you can see, how can this be rectified? I mean, you're painting in a way, Mark, quite a challenging picture. It's uh, a challenge, but actually it's, it's also an opportunity in the sense that um, we do have something here. You know, so many communities no longer have a functioning orchestra. Uh, so we still have that. Uh, it's not august, in, even though the name is perhaps, but uh, it's, I, <laughs> somebody once very cheekily likened it to hit and giggle tennis for music players uh, because we just have to take whomever comes. Uh, and so, so you don't do any audition or anything like that? We cannot audition. If we did, we'd have no... Well, we'd have very few. <laughs> oh, watch out. Watch let's put out. it that way. We'd have very few. They would probably not even have me, but that's, uh, that's another matter. But um, it, it's a great community. As, as we were hearing before, music promotes community. Uh, and so that's one of the great things, that people come with their skills, they find a group they can play in, and then they start to enjoy music again because, of course, music's a, a group thing. Yes, well, this is your chance to do your shout-out to various people who might sort of supply you with money. Um, it's, it sounds to me as if, um, you, you know, you do need it to be a more systematic thing. There needs to be... And it does. We need something that develops skills from play, with players right from a young age that then channels them through to these community groups. Uh, that these community groups enrich our society. Without them, it becomes very flat. Mm. And it's interesting, as I said, there's so much art, visual art, um, and and I think there is quite a bit of sort of performance, but not the music. That's what's really mm. intrigued me. Well, look, thank you both very, very much indeed. I shall look forward to hearing all your work tonight. There's been a great deal of effort gone in, and um, uh, I uh, so. 
We, I will report back next week maybe on the on the results of this wonderful uh, swing through the Central West by the Sydney Youth Orchestras. Now, I'm going to leave you with some music in a moment, but I want to thank Mark Curtis and Sophia Juarez, and I want to thank everybody here at ABC Broken Hill, especially Andrew Schmidt for all the IT support, not my strong suit, but to Sarah and Oliver and the breakfast announcer, Ron, who vacated his studio <laughs> to hand it on to me. Uh, I really do appreciate it. Um, and uh, thank you to you all for listening. Now, stay with ABCRN for Robbie Buck's last day, f- uh, f- topping, f- f- hosting even the music show. Um, uh, but don't despair, he'll be back on the airwaves on ABC Local on Sunday nights with a terrific show. Also, do tune into the music show on Sunday for NADOC Week with Craig Tilmouth and the story of that song that we all love from Little Things, Big Things Grow. But now to take us up to the news, here's Nampa Buka by Leroy Johnson, who's a local, accompanied by members of the SYO and SYO alumni. Radio station live and on the go. Discover new podcasts, music, and audiobooks, all free on the ABC Listen app.